is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. One, two, get down. Paid the cost to be the boss. That was The Boss from James Brown and a very appropriate song too and you'll find out why very shortly. Hi, I'm Elliot Moss and this is Jazz Shapers. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And alongside them we bring someone who is shaping the world of business. And I've got one of the biggest shapers in modern business life here with me today. It is Vernon Hill. Vernon is the founder and chairman of Metro Bank, the first new bank on the high streets of Britain in 100 years, they say. 48 uh, stores. And he's going to be making another 50 by 2020 with over 900,000 of you who have accounts with him. You're going to be hearing lots about breaking the rules and reinventing a future. Lots coming up from Vernon very shortly. In addition to hearing from Vernon, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkon Dorea. Some words of advice for your business. And then we got the music and it's great today. It's going to be including Gregory Porter, Marlena Shaw, Mike Murphy and this from the one and only Aretha Franklin. Vernon Hill is my business shaper here today on Jazz Shapers. And as I said, he's the founder and chairman of Metro Bank. They're bright. They're out there. They're stores. They're they're not really a bank. They're just a a place to go and enjoy an experience, which happens to be banking. And Vernon has a bit of a track record in this regard. He set up Commerce Bank in the States, 1973, $1.5 million. And it, well, the rest is history and we'll find out what it is. Vernon, thank you so much for joining me today. Good morning. Tell me, um, how did you get into banking? I know you studied at Wharton. I know you're obviously an educated guy, but banking is not one of the big, easy industries to crack. Highly regulated, complicated, all the old players are there. Yet back over 40 years ago, you said we're going to do something different. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, good morning. Great being with you. My father always wanted, had worked in a bank before the war and wanted his son to go to Wharton and uh, wanted the son to be in banking. I worked part-time when I went to school. What I often say when I talk to students is people that excel at life are lucky enough to match their, find and match their unique talent to what they do in life. Somehow I had a talent of combining a retail outlet on the world with banking. And when I was 26, for some reason they gave me a new bank charter. At the time there were 24,000 separate bank charters in America, 24,000, and we were 24,001. And how were we with very little capital, one office, no brand, uh, turn this into a high growth business? As you say, banking is a somewhat difficult business. We learned over a period of time to turn it into a high growth retailing concept built around the idea of service and convenience. And when we sold out in 07, we're the 18th largest bank in America with a 25% compounded annual growth rate. We turned it into a high-growth company by delivering a unique service and convenience experience. People in America often wrote about us as the apple of banking. Nobody buys an iPhone 
<coughs> excuse me, iPhone 7, <coughs> excuse me, because it's cheap, they're buying the Apple world. And in many ways, that's what our bank in America, Commerce, was, and that certainly is what Metro Bank in Britain is. And just uh, what you just mapped out, and you just summarized 40 years of your life in about two and a half seconds, which is always the way that um, brilliant people manage to do these things. Vernon, it, it's an extraordinary thing to have even believed you could do because it's all very well seeing the opportunity especially in a really difficult category tell me about just that first step going beyond the one the one branch going beyond the one and a half million dollars that you had at the time to make this thing uh, work how does what's the first thing you have to deal with in terms of thinking so ambitiously having such a big dream thinking about scale like that so i have a book out that talks about how we did it in america and britain and the book's theory is great businesses are built by building great brands with three parts, a differentiated value-added model, a pervasive reinforcing culture, and fanatical execution. And it begins with a differentiated value-added model. No one needs a Me Too bank, lawyer, radio station, or whatever. And we learned to redefine how banking could be delivered to make it easy, to make it fun. And over a long period of time, we refined this, and the customers were drawn to it. And our response in Britain, everything we did in New York works better in Britain. Stay with me for much more insight, and I'm going to go over those three things again. You better take some notes, because I think it might just help you uh, as you look to, towards growing your own business. Time for some more music now. This is Milestones from Mark Murphy. Here we go now, time to go now. Can't stop, no, not now. Maybe you'll see what you can be. No, don't stop, not now. Each stone you pass is just one class and the That was Milestones from Mark Murphy. Vernon Hill is my business shaper today, as I said earlier, chairman, founder of Metro Bank. And um, Vernon, you were drawing parallels to the what you did in America, and you're applying it over here. You made it sound simple. You talk about differentiation and value add. You talk about pervasively reinforcing culture, and you talked about um, fanatical execution. It's the fanatical execution that, that, that I want to just talk about for a moment. As a business gets bigger, that must get harder. If you and I were in business together and you were sitting there and you were telling me what to do, it's pretty easy. You can be as fanatical as you like. And if I'm an obedient pet, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to do it. You've now suddenly got five, ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 people and they're spread. How do you ensure that you deliver fanatical execution every day as you get bigger? Of course, that is the test. And that's what used to worry me most in America. The last years I was in business in America, we were getting 21 million in-store customer visits a month. 21 million people walk through our doors every day. How did we make them happy? How did we make them fans? And when something went wrong, how did we respond and make them more fans? It's about the model. If your model is about delivering the best service and convenience, you design your model for that, you recruit people for that, you manage for that. We also had the advantage, as we do in Britain, of being a growth business. If you believe you have a growth business, you have to invest for growth, you have to recruit for growth. That is directly opposite what the large banks in Britain are doing. They think they're going to, they're in the process of trying to cost save their way to prosperity. Those are fundamentally different views of life. 
and and I just want to jump now to 2010. So you're you're you've now you sold this business. This business was uh, you left the business around 2008. Is that so, right? so I sold Commerce in 2007. Yeah, I had nothing to do for a week. A friend of mine at the time <laughs> had been on me saying you've got to bring this service and convenience model to Britain, where the banks don't know what the service word service and convenience mean. And literally, I got on a plane in late 2007, shopped the banks. The next day, I went down to talk to the government about getting a bank license. And in true American fashion, I said, what the hell? Let's go try it. And we began the process in early 2008 of getting a bank charter and building a bank from scratch. Uh, there is a difference fundamentally about between British businessmen and American businessmen. By culture, we tend to start with the results and work backwards. The British culture is more, let's start at the beginning and see what comes out. So in true American fashion, of course, I had the advantage of a proven model. I had management people from America to help. I had the ability to raise capital. And we said, what the hell, let's go try it. And indeed, the trying has worked out quite well. Seven years later, here we are, and your business is, uh, has a market capitalization value of over three billion. Not bad. Much more coming up from Vernon, my business shaper today. That's the founder and chairman of Metro Bank. Uh, ladies, travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom, I hope, though maybe not as sage as the ones you're hearing right now, from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business. Hi, my name's Nadim Mir, and I'm a partner at Mishkondorea in the private equity team. A key thing to be thinking about if you are looking to raise funds is, given that it is maybe less difficult than it used to be to raise the money, if you do have a good growth story, then actually you are in a pretty good position to maybe be a bit more choosy as to who you partner with. Um, And I think a key thing to remember is that when you go into this relationship with an investor or group of investors, you do need to see it as very much like a relationship. It is effectively a marriage of sorts. And obviously we know the best sorts of marriages tend to be the ones where both sides uh, go in with their eyes open um, and they're both supportive parties to uh, to the marriage um, and where people think they can work well together. So it's not necessarily about the party that's going to leave you with the most equity or the one with the biggest checkbook. It's about the party who you are going to get on well with, work well with, and hopefully, and say, live happily ever after with. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers. Um, I'm Elliot Moss, and I'm very lucky because every week I meet someone who's shaping the world of business. If you've missed any of the over 250 people that I have interviewed in the last five years, go to iTunes. That's a good destination. You can find a bunch there. If you're traveling with British Airways, you can also pick them up over there. And ctm.com is another destination for you to pick up some of the choice interviews we've done over the last few years. My choice interview today is with Vernon Hill. And Vernon, if you haven't heard earlier, is the founder and chairman of Metro Bank. You said you took a week off. I, I love this about people. <laughs> I took a week off, and then I thought, you know what, we're going to go do something else. Were you ever tired of it, or is is work for you just living and breathing and eating and all the other things that people do? Is it just who you are? Entrepreneurs, entrepreneur. That's what we do. 
So we're always attracted by new ideas and new challenges. I have five or six other things that I do. So creating business, building business, and building fans, which is the objective of almost all my models, is uh, what we do. And it's been great fun. Uh, it was a challenge as to whether our American model would work in Britain. Could we build it with a modern IT system? Could we raise the money? We raised $100 million in pounds to begin. Now $1 billion, 90% American money. I'm going to come to the 90% American money. I just want to ask one question. If you do relax, Fernan, and you can tell me you don't, I don't mind. But if you do relax, what do you do to relax? I play golf. Oh, that was easy. Good. And anyone famous you might have played golf with in the past? Trump. Oh. I played golf for Trump a lot. And uh, what what is he like? Just like you see. So it's WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. In terms of, um, you know, we, we, we're going to touch on this for a moment. The, the landscape when you set up the, the business in 2010 here was different. Uh, we weren't in a post or just about to go into a Brexit world. We had President Obama in the States. What material difference does the geopolitical and the geoeconomic state make for someone like you? Do you just get on with it and do what you're going to do? Almost none. And why is that? It's easy to talk about the macro world, Brexit, or unless you have a crash. And of course, I came post-crash. Unless you have something as dramatic as that. We're in the market share take business. So we don't worry about all these macro things. It's about how we create fans, how, how we get them to switch banks. Now, the fans that have switched banks have ensured that people believe that you're backable. And of course, you're backable because you've been doing this for decades. You said 90% of your shareholders are American. Why is that? Investors in America believe in growth. British equity investors do not believe in growth. I've accused them of being bond buyers in disguise. They care about yield. They care about price to book. Uber is worth $60 billion and has never made a dime. So Americans fundamentally believe in growth. Much more coming up from my business shaper. That's Vernon Hill. Time for some more music. This is Marlena Shaw with the uplifting California soul. That was Marlena Shaw with California Soul. I've been talking to Vernon Hill about growth and about the predisposition of the British investor to kind of think that, you know, they'll hang back a bit. Or I love what you said, Vernon, earlier about uh, when you think about setting up a business in the UK, it, people think about the starting at the beginning rather than starting at the end. And you started at the end with the results, in other words. What interests me now is that you're, you've written a book, and I have it in my hands, Fans, Not Customers. And the subtitle is How to Create Growth Companies in a, number, in a No-Growth World, rather. You're interested in sharing what you've learned. What motivates you these days, apart from making Metro the best service on the high street, sine qua non, regardless whether it's a bank or whatever else, what else drives you as you wake up in the morning? I know entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs, you said, but what is it? I, I think most of us have are driven by the same thing. Yes, we want to succeed. We think wealth is a result of what we do, not the objective of what we do. But there's this drive to prove that your idea is better, that you can change things. And I think we're all driven more by that than the creation of wealth. 
I sense also, and you're a visiting professor over at CAS, you're, yes, it's about proving yourself. And as you said, I think you're right. Many of the people I've met here do exactly that. It isn't the money necessarily. But it's also, it feels quite a generous thing to do. I mean, writing a book is not an easy thing. You're sharing what you've learnt. Why is sharing what you've learnt important beyond saying, I'm the guy with the idea? Because I think it's a little bit more than that, isn't it? Because it helps us build our brand. Right. Metro has a brand. Sharing our ideas, conveying how we believe in things is a brand builder for us. As is your doggy. Now, Everybody loves my dog. Tell me about the dog, Vernon. Sir Duffield. Uh, in America... Uh, my wife found at Chase they wouldn't let her they wouldn't let her bring our dog into the branch and she calls me from New York all excited is there some law some rule against this and of course there wasn't there's another stupid bank rule and we turned that in in America to a policy called dogs rule we want you to bring your dog in we give him treats we give you water bowls we have dog events in the stores we did it in America it's even taken a deeper hold here the customers take that to mean, if you love my dog, you must love me. And it has brought a fun component to a business that has no fun component. And all of these parts, ours, stores, coin counting, safe deposit boxes, dogs, they all unite to deliver a differentiated experience. Great retailers know that you need, they need to provide an entertainment and fun experience to attract people. That's what we've learned to do in banking. Final chat coming up with my guest, Vernon Hill. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Gregory Porter. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Unreroute the rivers, let the damned water beat. There's some people down the way that's thirsty, so let the liquid spirit free. The people are thirsty because of man's unnatural hand. Watch what happens when the people catch wind, when the water hits the banks of that hard, dry land. Clap your hands now. Head and clap your hands now. Clap your hands now. Go ahead and clap your hands now. Mm-hmm. That was Gregory Porter with Liquid Spirit. I'm with Vernon Hill just for a few more minutes. And if you weren't listening earlier, you should have been because he has been opening his book of secrets to you about how to build a brand and how to take a category which, frankly, is boring, which is uptight, which makes you feel miserable and saying, you know what, we can inject some fun here and we can actually do good things um, for you. And we can build fans. And we can build fans. And that's really important. And And why are fans important, Elliot? I'm guessing because when they're super law, they talk to everyone else. They say, it's so wonderful, you've got to come join me. And that's the way every great brand is built. Fans join your brand, they remain loyal, and they bring their friends. You cannot build a high-growth business unless you're creating fans. Now, it's one thing to create individual fans. It's another thing to create business fans. And what people don't know about your business is that you actually are doing a hell of a lot of commercial banking. Tell me about that just for a moment so I understand a little bit better. Yes, we're actually more commercial than we are consumer. And all kinds of business and commercial banking, lending, cash management, everything you expect from a, from a medium-sized bank. Shockingly, the British four mistreat the business customers more than they treat, mistreat the consumer customers. And uh, business customers are crying out for an old-fashioned banker who knows them, who knows their business, that can handle their needs. And uh, we have received incredible acceptance. One little joke about business banking. The British banks admit to open a new current account for your business takes six to eight weeks. It takes us an hour. How'd you do it? 
the correct way. <laughs> is there any other? But what is the correct way? How does it? How do you manage to fast track in seven and a half weeks of wasted time? There is no reason for the six, seven, eight weeks. It's, right. There's absolutely no reason. They have antique IT. They have a philosophy that they're doing you a favor by letting you bank. You've all on the audience have listened. You have to make an ex, you have to make an appointment. It's not till next Friday. It goes. You couldn't survive an hour in the American banking environment, but that kind of service. But it's a great example of how you have, you've had a cartel market with no new competitors. This is what happens in any business when there's no new competitors. Related to that experience, and I'm, and I'm sure you're right, businesses or, or anyone listening who's running a business will go, y- it's been terrible. You've been investing and will continue to invest in the high street. And yet we read everywhere that the technology element, the, the, the non-high street, I don't need to be present over there, is, is now going to be the future of banking. Why are you rowing against the tide? Well, that's what I do for a living. I row against the tide. But, but not for its own sake, but because no. you really believe... There is no, There is no example of a successful online bank in Britain or America. The customer wants the best of every channel. He wants to bank with us in store, online, mobile, and it's my job to deliver you the best of every channel and let you pick whatever channel you want every day. On that subject, I might add that Apple has the highest retail sales per square foot in their stores of any retailer in the world. Apple doesn't need stores. It's part of the Apple ethos. Going forward, Vernon. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm talking to you here. You've you've taken two companies public. You've you're you're growing this business. It is a growth business. You strike me as someone that will always look at it and say, "Hold on a minute. We're not looking at this right. Where, how's it, is this going to create a fan? If it's not, we're not going to do it. And if we need to fix it, we'll fix it. We're not bothered." What does it look like for the next five years for you? Is it just more of the same? Yeah, we've announced our targets for 2020. Uh, we're going to be much larger, a ver- an 18% return on capital. I thought you were going to ask me, as I'm often asked, what's my goal? It's 100% of the market. <laughs> you see, the good thing about you is I don't need to ask you the question. You're going to tell me what you want to tell me anyway, and that's why you are Vernon Well, isn't Hill. that the first thing we learn when we do these inter- inter- Absolutely interviews. right. And he's, I can tell you what, he's, he's done these before. Listen, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Elliot, thank I, you very I, much. I really appreciate your time. Um, I'm now going to play out with, and I think it's appropriate because this man is doing it every day. It's Curtis Mayfield with Move On Up. That was Curtis Mayfield with Moving On Up. Vernon Hill, what a guy. Talk about being focused on building the brand. Really honest about everything he did was about that pursuit. Differentiated value added, you talk about a secret number one, lots of secret now. A pervasive reinforcing culture, number two. And number three, fanatical execution. That's the focus that you need if you're going to build a business the way he has. And that sense of continuing to to write and to be a professor and all these other things, he was very honest. He said, well, it's all about proving that your idea is the best idea. Fantastic stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am for another brilliant business shaper, I hope, here on Jazz Shapers. Meantime, though, 
stay with us because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Condorea. It's business, but it's personal. <laughs> 